Welcome to the Revenue Marketing Report powered by Caliber Mind. I'm your host, Kamala Thompson, and today I'm thrilled to introduce Alan Morty. I'm Alan, pleasure to meet you all. I'm the president over at Three Ventures. Three Ventures is a consulting firm for analytics, technical marketing, uh, cloud and software development. So we partner with a lot of in-house brands and act as an extension of their internal teams and help them implement platforms like CDPs. So here we are. Nice. And I am always excited about the topic, it seems, but especially when it has something to do with data. And my favorite is the war between art and science and marketing. <laughs> so let's get into brain, it. Brain. <laughs> yes. So I've seen some squeaky wheels out there who are advocating for a complete abandonment of data-driven decision-making and to move to the gut because it's good enough. I have theories about why this is happening, but I would love to hear yours. I, I think it's a, a sort of a natural human take on what happens when you don't understand something or what happens when a topic or um, an activity becomes very overwhelming. You know, uh, it's, I sort of say that there's three stages of development with technology. There is the all in, the all out, and then there is sort of that uh, balanced middle state, right? So if you pay, if you look back to the context of like 2012 to 2016, it was all in on data, big data, you know, as all these buzzwords coming out of Silicon Valley. And then in addition to that, I'd largely say like 2018, 2019, it was really more focused on like, well, what data do you actually need? And so since we went all in and now we have such large volumes of data and every platform has data, every platform has integrations, every platform says they have reporting and analytics. You know, now I think that mindset is sort of shifting to, you know what, I need to just go back to my gut with uh, what it was that I was doing and I don't need to be overwhelmed by this. And so it's sort of that uh, natural progression, I think, in human nature uh, to sort of just get rid of the problem instead of realize that we created the problem at first by, you know, just going all into something and not having a plan. It's like, you know, now that it's uh, we've become so inundated with everything, simply removing it seems like a solution, but it's not. I mean, maybe if you're doing everything and you're a one person business and you know, you all know all the nuances and the details, there's no way you wouldn't know everything about how your company operates. But if you got 20, 30, 40, 50 or hundreds or thousands of people, you need information radiators. So to get rid of data altogether doesn't make any sense. You know, and I'd say that's where I'd, I'd sort of split the conversation here. And that's my long-winded answer to a fully loaded question. Well, yeah, I will admit to that. I, I do that from time to time. But your answer also resonates with what I've been seeing. You know, I, I grew up in tech. This is where I've lived. I've seen that over the years, um, a lot of technology startups are, are started by very smart, tech, technologically savvy people who think they know exactly what is and is impossible. And as marketing moved to digital, the perception was, well, everything's trackable, right? And I think we both know that that's not the truth. And a lot of people were getting really frustrated that you know perfection is not attainable and spot on. We're overcorrecting now. I also like your point that one size does not fit all. So if you're at a small company, you don't really need a CDP. 
you don't really need a lot of data. You just need some basic stuff. Yeah. And even then, if all the information is sort of tribal information, you're doing all activities, it's like you, you don't really need the data where you need it is when you want to start to think about scale yep. and, you know, not having to do everything right. Mm -hmm. uh, so ideally it's a, it's a disciplined approach from the start and realizing that the more you grow, the more you need, the smaller you are, the less you probably need, you know, I'd say that's a good, that's a good sort of continuum here. Um, I mean, unless you're in the business of selling data, right? <laughs> Obviously you're going to want to collect a bunch of data and make sure it's quality, but, uh, there's always some stipulations and some edge cases, but you know, that's my thoughts on the matter. You know, if I was seeing somebody out in the sort of uh, ecosphere saying that, I'd be looking at it being very, very skeptical. Like, okay, I hear you, but maybe you're a one-man salesperson or one-man sales team or, you know, one person, uh, you know, running a company that's hit a streak of good luck, right? With maybe selling content or selling courses, right? You don't, you don't need a ton of insight. Yeah. So on that note, let's talk about what crawl, walk, run looks like, because I think when I say art versus science, gut doesn't make sense. People assume I'm going on a multi-touch attribution rant, and I'm really not. I'm saying we need to leverage the data we do have in a way that makes sense. So for a very, very early stage company, that may just be making sure your contact us form is flowing somewhere and being able to report on how that's converting into an opportunity. Like what are the most basic things we need to start with? And then how should we think about evolving over time? Yeah. Another loaded question, right? So crawl, walk, run is a very interesting topic. We approach sales that way. I think it's incredibly important also when you talk about the context of uh, purchasing a platform, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so for us at Three Ventures, what we look at crawl, walk, run is in the domain of a platform or the people at an organization or their processes, right? We have to look at what we call the three P's. Those are the three P's and say when those are working together in harmony, what is just getting started or crawling look like? And for some organizations, that means just, you know, having standardized lingo, having an, a, a general consensus that these five things are what matter most to the company and we should be paying attention to them. That's that could be crawling in the context of a platform like implementing a CDP. It could be picking off a very specific use case, right? And just focusing your implementation on that and sort of having it as a sort of a proof of concept. Maybe you can negotiate with a sales team, you know, like a pilot period where you're paying them, uh, maybe not the full price, but uh, to test the, you know, to test the platform out in a very limited context. That's crawling and that's how we look at things. That also sort of ties back into the conversation we had earlier, right? That we started off the, the, the podcast with, which is just being disciplined with your approach and not trying to bite off more than you can chew. Now the the walking, uh, this is when I equate this to sort of like coming of age, sort of finding yourself and your identity as you get older and you sort of like pick your shoulders up and your head up and you're like, okay, great. But that in relation to your people and your processes and your platforms. So you have, you're starting to gain a, a bit of confidence with the harmony between those three. You know, you feel like your people have an understanding, uh, they're trained up, your processes are, you know, they've, they've been edited or they've been updated a time or two, you know, and your platforms don't just have some basic functionality. They're starting to, you know, address some more intermediate concerns, maybe in the context of uh, CDP worlds, 
you know, you are making product recommendations in e-commerce or, you know, in the B2B land, you know, maybe you're making recommendations on uh, products or services, depending on what industry you're in. I think that that is a, a, a very good place. And I think that that's the target that most organizations need to get to is the walking, uh, especially in the context of B2B, right? It moves a little bit slower. It's not uh, B2C, uh, which usually is sort of on the leading edge of everything because they have a higher total volume of customers versus on the B2B side, they have a lower total volume of customers. And the sales um, cycles tend to be shorter and smaller buyer committees and correct. like, yeah, all of those good and things that make their, the analysis easier too. <laughs> and, and all of their activities are usually happening in some type of measurable context, unless you know, you're talking retail, but even then two degrees, it's measurable. The, the running is really more the consumer brands. I think that that's, you know, if I was looking at what does a running model look like, like what is all in look like, I'm going to probably be looking at a best practice from a consumer brand or a conglomerate, right? Who's doing that across multiple brands, who has, you know, they're tracking across all of their customers and clientele on a single platform. They've got all their products and services. They have different mediums and different digital experiences, and all of those are integrated. Now, that's generally what you'd see more pushed in the industry as digital transformation and everything else. It's very, very, very hard to get there. And I think the reason why it's hard to get there is because, um, you know, I think we can look at society and just say generally there's a lacking sense of discipline and structure, you know, uh, across the board. And when you look at the context of running, with what we're discussing with CDPs, it requires a lot of discipline and thought, a lot of discipline and execution and a lot of structure. And so if those parallels aren't being practiced on a day-to-day -day basis, widely across everybody who's involved in that team, you know, that shift in mindset and those capabilities and the way to think about that process, that's largely going to be uh, inhibited by that. So that's why I say the ideal state in my mind is, is really walking. And I think that's a good target for most businesses to get to. And walking produces some pretty outstanding results too, by the way. Um, oh, we only yeah. gave one specific use case. So before we go on, I talked to a lot of B2B folks who believe that their CRM is essentially a CDP and everything's house. That's not what we're talking about. So I would love to get your definition of a CDP. <laughs> three for three with loaded questions. So, man, I largely see CDPs and CRMs and marketing automation platforms becoming the same thing. So there are different tracks that I think are going in the same direction. I think eventually we'll see a consolidation in the space, uh, much like you have you know, all the major marketing platforms that have really started in the MarTech and ad tech space, you know, in 2015 to 2018. I personally believe that we're going to see a, a, a lot of those come together because it's going to be less and less about a CRM because CRM is really associated with sales teams, right? They're thinking like, oh, this is how I'm managing contacts. 
A CDP is more of a methodology. It has all of these pieces baked into it. It has a CRM essentially baked into it, right? Because it manages contacts um, or it manages accounts. You know, however you see uh, managing key relationships in your business. I think that's the difference between HubSpot and Salesforce, right? Contacts versus accounts. So for the context of my definition of a, a CDP, I think it's largely not only how you manage that contact data and how you use it, but also how you integrate it. And that's why I see all of these tracks really starting to merge because the CDP is this overarching methodology, right? And then a CRM or marketing automation platform or integration with a website or integration with ads um, or different types of campaign meetings. Those are all just components that are really getting built together, right? That are going to be um, hopefully right in a centralized platform that has everything in it that a business can go and look to and really get its digital experience out of. That's, that's where I see things. So yeah. my definitions are a little muddy and murky. Okay. Uh, I see it slightly differently. I mean, of course, I, I would, but <laughs> I think it's going to be a while before everything is consolidated into CRM and marketing automation just because of the sheer amount of processing and storage needed for things like website visit, tracking, de-anonymization, identity graphs. Like, there's a lot of processing that... Those platform forms currently have a hard time with, but I can see the sense in moving in that direction. Yeah, I'm always trying to look forward into the future. I would say if I gave you um, the real time definition or like today's definition of a CDP, in my mind, it would be how you use and integrate your customer or client data to provide a better digital experience. Yeah. That's on your site or in an app or via some form of content or advertisements. If I looked at a, a CRM, I'd largely say that its function is to support a sales funnel, right? Um, a, a human driven sales funnel. And then you're going to have components that can help automate that. I see the two really beginning to overlap. I think that that's how HubSpot's largely going to be looking at itself. I think if you look at the product offering with Salesforce, I think that it's clear that they're starting to stack up all the pieces to do that. And then when I look at you guys, I look at a very specific niche and use case and I go, wow, this is, you know, it's very powerful. So it's going to be all about the context of how do you think you're going to use all of your customer data in the future to provide that digital experience. And I think different platforms are going to be better equipped for different industries and different solutions, you know? And so where you guys are at in the B2B space, making it more practical and less complicated, which we tend to see in the uh, uh, B2C space, I think is, is, is really powerful. So let's, let's do a less loaded question. <laughs> uh, and a lot of research or surveys that are done out there, marketers have frequently, you know, pretty consistently complained that they don't have the skill sets and internally in their departments to really leverage data to its fullest. What are some options out there for people who really want to move from crawling to walking? And being a marketer, correct? Well, it could be adding a fractional person on the team or could be expanding their own skill set either way. I would recommend marketers do that, but you may have your own opinion. So I think this is, I don't know if this, what you call this, it's on the tip of my tongue, but I can't can't recall the word. It's uh, a saying that essentially goes, what happens to your people if you train them and they leave? And then somebody goes, well, what happens if we don't train our people and they stay? 
Yeah. Right. So I think it's a, a catch 22 with that in the context of your existing team. So I look at it as, is your existing team worth keeping? Um, if they're not worth keeping, <laughs> go find somebody who's wicked sharp and can help you build a team. That's the person you need to find first and then help them assess the technical skills that you need, but be that business uh, stakeholder and process owner and provide that guidance to them. If you are getting rid of your whole team, I don't recommend that. What I do recommend is looking at your teams very critically and saying, not necessarily that you want to remove any seats or get rid of anybody, but if you use the analogy of driving a bus, right? And let's say that, uh, or a spaceship, a spaceship's a better analogy. Each seat on that spaceship is doing a very important job. So it's more about reorganizing the seat that people sit in, right? Which ones have good interpersonal skills? Which ones are disciplined in their documentation? Which ones are more technical than others? You know, put them in the positions that they need to be successful. The more technical person, you probably want them being an individual contributor. The person who's more disciplined, more detail oriented, you probably want them more in a project manager role or somebody who's helping out with the interpretation. If you have somebody who's got really good interpersonal skills, you know, get them sort of as a buffer in front of the aggressive executive or leadership team who's, you know, sort of pushing things from the top down and, you know, who can sort of calm and ease those emotions and leadership meetings, right? So that's why I think putting the people in the right seats and sort of reassessing that is important as a leader. And then as you figure out the seats that you need and you figure out the people that need to fill them, that's when you can go and you can put together, you know, training or growth plans. I mean, it's really great setting quarterly goal plans for people. I know a lot of organizations, unfortunately, don't have really mature HR processes. One of the things we do very well here internally at Three Ventures is, um, you know, we have annual goal plans that are broken down into quarters and uh, we have professional uh, goals and then we have personal development goals and uh, we take the personal development goals uh, just as importantly as the professional goals because those are going to align more with what we're doing as an organization so you know that's how we've addressed you know people needing to get training and also from a leadership perspective how would I look at the situation that's a great answer. So next question, it's kind of related, but it's a bit of a tangent. So if marketers could prioritize picking up one skill on the analytical side, you know, some people aren't great at numbers and I like how you pointed out, we need all the seats and not everybody has to be good at everything. But if there were one thing that people learn to navigate analytically, what would that one thing be? That's a great question. I think database design. The reason why I say database design is because fundamentally everything we do with a platform or with technology is largely powered by some form of a database. So when you understand the context of how data is structured in a database and even how unstructured databases are structured because there is structure behind an unstructured database. Um, it's just not relational. That's what NoSQL is, you know, to that traditional SQL relationship definition. That is the, the foundation to any platform that you're going to be working with. So I'll give you a really great example in Google Analytics. So if you design or have built databases or even just take a database design class, you'll understand that some tables have a relationship of many to many uh, or one to many. And that's called cardinality. And so uh, 
universal analytics, there were cardinality constraints, basically meaning uh, you couldn't look at certain metrics and dimensions or dimensions together, uh, largely because it would multiply the output of the data because there because of the cardinality. So let's say you have three rows here and three rows here. It's going to take this first row multiply it by all these three when it joins them together in a structured profile, and then it's going to take that second row, and you're going to end up with nine results, right? So if you attach a, a metric to that, uh, you can get inaccurate data if you're not understanding what the relationship of that data is. So why do I answer your question with, you should learn databases as a technical skill, as a marketer, and how, does that gonna, how is that going to help me in my job? Okay, so this is how this all stitches back. When you start working in a platform or a CDP, you start to look at what's in there and what the input fields are and what the data is as how is this structured how is this establishing a relation to what else could potentially be in the platform and you start there as a basic fundamental principle but then as you start to integrate some of your business data into the platform or you start to ingest more you start to think about okay what is its relationship to what else i have in the platform already and if I wanted to take that and put that in another platform or be able to ingest another platform, is it in a structure that would allow me to do that? I think that's the most important skill that I can recommend for marketers. I think SQL and database design structure is incredibly easy to pick up. I mean, it's in my mind, way easier to pick up than programming, uh, say like JavaScript. Yeah, I would agree. Which I think would be people's uh, uh, standard answer. It's like, it's, it's basically numbers. <laughs> Uh, yeah. In the context of addition and subtraction and multiplication, yeah. it's not, um, you know, calculus. The logic is really close to what you see in an Excel formula, something along those lines. I really wasn't expecting that answer, but I really like it. I have been advocating that particularly anybody who is running a campaign or you know structuring their building their CRM to really understand the analytics piece of it, because if you can't understand what people are, need to understand and pull out of it, you can't structure it so they're putting the right things in. And that's so fundamental. And it, it brings me back to a conversation I had with this marketer who's like this mad scientist, multi-channel, it's going to do this, 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 and this, and then they'd want to track it. And I would always ask, are you tracking it? And here, no. And I'm like, okay, well, how, how do we report on it? So understanding how those things tie together and that you have to have mechanisms in place and structure in order to get something out of it that makes sense, makes a lot of sense. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. I, like that. I, I would definitely agree with you in that context. Uh, when you look at, like, say, implementing a CDP, you really want to be approaching this as what business problems is this going to uh, help me get an answer to? And what questions do I have that this is going to help me answer, uh, say, in a reporting context? So somebody could go, well, I want to know where my best customers come from. And if they're in the business, they could probably list off every variable of what a good customer looks like. But they then couldn't tell you if the data that they were trying to get this uh, a certain system to answer that question with actually had all of those variables in yeah. a format which would allow them to get that information. Yeah. And that's where that database design really comes into play. Yeah, and I'm cringing because I've 
seen people make the mistake of assuming they had the data and building like lead scoring models without checking whether or not it's not a good idea. Check, check first, then build. <laughs> yeah, and, and generally also too, I think like, um, you know, in technology, if you, if, if you read like mainstream news, there's sort of this perception of uh, constantly, you know, things are happening, everything's happening, everything's important. And, you know, if you don't change, you're going to fall behind. You know, I, I, I don't necessarily agree with the context of that. I think, you know, a few steps consistently every day over, you know, period of time uh, get you to that result. And so if we get back to the original conversation of, you know, crawl, walk, run, and we, and we just talk about walking and you move a little bit slower, you look at the details, instead of launching something today, when you finish it up at 4 p.m., you come back in the morning, you check down your work, you make sure it's good, okay, you check it with fresh eyes, then you launch it. You know, I think if we just slowed down a little bit, I think we would, as an, uh, collectively, businesses would probably do uh, much better in relation to launching uh, IT or technical projects. I'm not saying in the case of sales slowdown. <laughs> I'm talking about this in the context of implementing technical platforms, right? Or even advertising programs or setting up ad campaigns. Uh, I think. I don't know if you've seen the article, but some major brands cut off half their spend and didn't see an impact to the bottom line. To me, that didn't say so much that digital advertising is ineffective, but how we're measuring it and figuring out what works is ineffective. Would you disagree with that? Or who, right? I don't know if it's a what problem or if it's a who problem or if it's a combination of both. I think it's probably more a combination of both. I think all good problems are multidimensional. Looking at it from that context though, the large brands that you're referring to, I remember reading about these, and I think that there is this perception due to Wall Street's constant growth expectations that growth needs to be consistent over time. And so there's this very, and I'm, and, I'm, and I'm dumbing this down, so anybody who's sophisticated in this you can feel free to correct me, but there's this thought process that if you do more, you have more productivity. If you have more productivity, you have more growth. So if I look at it in the context of Wall Street having growth expectations and these large brands that you're talking about, they basically said, great, we'll spend 10, 15, 20, 30, 50% more than we did last year. And okay, they go to their teams and they say, here's the budget, tell us what we're supposed to do. Instead of doing this the other way around, which is if you wanted to get growth from somewhere, how would you do it? And how much money do you think you would need to do it? Because there is a certain level of saturation that exists in all markets. And just because you have more money doesn't need, mean you need to spend more money. That's a, a thing that we tell our clients all the time. Now, in addition to that, I also think it's worth pointing out that, again, not everything in technology is worthwhile in relation to advertising. You know, like a, a great example, I was laughing when, you know, some uh, B2B companies were back in the day trying to advertise on Snapchat. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, this is, this is user-generated content, branding, and consumer products. 
like, like, but we need to grow and we have this budget and we were told we need to do this. Right. So there's this expectation from investors and owners that we want growth. And so now they're basically telling people go out and spend the money and you're either reporting on two things. How did it help us or what did we learn from it? And this is a whole rabbit hole of why I very much dislike what I call the Silicon Valley Ponzi scheme of investing in startups, because it's a proverbial case of don't get caught holding the bag, basically being the last person investing in a company. And they're all because there's so much money there. I think there's that level of expectation because that's just how things work. Right. Uh, But that's a different topic for a different day. I like it though. Do we end on a controversial note or do you want to add anything before we, we can navigate controversy. I don't mind that. (laughs) (laughs) No, I like it. I like it. Clearly. If anybody has been listening, they know that I like a good, good, uh, fire starter. If people were looking to network with me, you know, you could, you could shoot me a request on LinkedIn and let me know that you saw me on this podcast. That's going to be the best way to um, uh, network with me. I mean, I do check all my invitations. I get lots and lots of them. And if they're not personalized, like you saw, you reached out to me and I was like, who is this? Like, I, I read the article you wrote. You're like, okay, I'll bite. Right. So make sure you send me something like that. Uh, pretty much uh, everywhere else. You know, I'm not super active on uh, personally, right? Obviously, the company's active. Uh, so LinkedIn's going to be that best place to find me. I used to do a lot more out in the community, speaking engagements and uh, SMX and MozCon and um, other types of events like that that we would attend and go to as well. And then I used to write a lot on Quora. I used to write a lot on our blog. Um, we're starting to write more on the blog. But, you know, I've just been... Um, I've been busy growing the the company here and uh, making sure that I train up our people here internally and get all this tribal knowledge out of my head and get that put into processes and get those documented. But, um, you know, we are going to be launching a, uh, a podcast here soon, not through three ventures, but, uh, myself and my two business partners, it's going to be less business oriented and more technology oriented. Mm -hmm. Uh, so you can follow me on LinkedIn or, uh, shoot me an invite on LinkedIn and I'll be posting some details there. So if you are curious about these types of conversations, that's going to be this type of conversation. I think in a little bit more depth with a little bit more comedy and a little bit more humor. (laughs) I try. my, (laughs) My business partners, one of them is my twin brother. He is a computer scientist, right? And so he's, he's that uh, engineer type, right? Uh, super sharp, very, very smart. And then my uh, other business partner, uh, his name is Wally. And uh, he is a uh, network architect and network engineer, does a lot of work in the cloud. So he uh, has a lot of security and a lot of networking architecture experience. And so if you bring those three minds together, basically a software developer, a network and security architect. And then myself, who's largely, I guess you call it by my education is data analytics and data science and data architecture. And I have a lot of experience in marketing operations and finance. You bring those three minds together. That's what that podcast is going to be like. So and I'm looking forward to it. If it's live by the time this episode airs, we will link to it in the show notes or come back and edit so people can get to it. 
Alan, thank you again for being here. To our listeners, thank you for listening. If you enjoy the show, please rate, review, subscribe, tell two friends. And for those of you looking for more great content like this, check out calibermind.com.